Where can you get good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates? At State Farm, because State Farm agent Vilta Augusta is your one-stop shop in Tulsa for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. State Farm agent Vilta Augusta is ready to help. Call 918-254-1959 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. Welcome to another episode of the Young Parents Podcast presented by James Inc. and Rant9 Productions. I am Jesse Ulrich, the co-host and editor of this podcast, and we are very excited to bring you this episode with Tanisha Williams, uh, formerly a teen parent. And today we talk to her about raising her youngest child who has autism. We are very excited to have Tanisha Williams on the Young Parents Podcast. Hello. Hello. Glad to be here. Can we hear your parenting story? Which one? I have two parenting (laughs) stories because I have a child and I have two adult Mm. children. Which story? I'll Uh, separate the two. Let's start. (laughs) Yeah. Considering that James Inc. deals with teen and adolescent parents, let's talk about your parenting story at that age. So my first two, my first child I had, I was a teen mom. My second child that I had, I was leaving the teens somewhere around. So between the age of 17 and 19, I had my first two children. Let's just say that. College student, a high school student with the oldest, college student with the second, married soon after, before I had the second one, married. They're both adults now. They're 21 and 24. Raised them. Went, finished college, graduated. Here we are now. 10 years when my youngest son turns 10. Oops, here comes a baby. Congratulations, Tanisha. <laughs> Bet you weren't expecting that. And then um, Joshua. I had Joshua. And like I said, everything with him, as far as development, seemed fine. We were in denial for a while. It just so happened that we were blessed to have started our master's degree Around the time he was in kindergarten, going to first grade, we took a class that talked about children and the develop and how they develop. And that's when the alarm went off. We were like, okay, so we've been noticing these behaviors. The doctors have been kind of hinting. No one had actually said, hey, we think it's autism. Um, the way he was developing in school, um, he was needing a lot of help from an assistant teacher that was there for spare children. And she, they began to tell us that they were no longer be able to have that person assist Joshua. So I had oh, to tell them to test my son. I, I, may have, I felt like he may have been on the spectrum. I didn't like the way he was being treated in first grade. I felt like his development was being neglected. Um, they ended up doing the test. And then he was able to get services from that point on. He has a teacher. He had a teacher, a transitioning teachers at the time. Once he was diagnosed in the school system and he was passed off to the assisting teacher, the SPED teacher, his original teacher let the SPED teacher know this little boy does not know how to speak. He doesn't know his ABCs. He doesn't know how to count. So she pretty much pushed my son to him and said that. When that teacher got to Joshua, Joshua was able to count to 100. (laughs) He was able to say all of his ABCs, and she was basically upset. So we were kind of glad that we called it then. I called that teacher his 
guardian angel. He's in sixth grade now, and he's still in contact with that teacher. She worked miracles for my son as far as speech. He's great at math. Um, he loves to draw. Um, he's developing how he's developing. I think as parents, we've learned to accept him and meet him where he's at. And that's how he functions. He loves to draw. So when you talk about habits and repetitiveness, that's a skill that he has that he is excellent at doing. So that's kind of a little bit of backdrop fast forward to where we are now. He's 12. He just turned 12 in January and he's doing well. That leads me to one of my questions. What do you say to those who don't believe and or have a hard time accepting or processing that their child has a developmental dislike or could be autistic? I just have to be honest with them. It's not a tough decision. It's not something that's easy to do. I will say I was in tears when I initially got the diagnosis or that, you know, they said, yes, this is it. Um, and I just tell them to take it easy, be slow, give them a lot of time to process, have a great, I have a great support system. I was blessed to have had those two older children. So it's like he has four parents instead of two. That helps. I have to be honest with them and just let them know it's not an easy road. Test it as soon as possible. If you feel like there is an issue, get them help sooner then later, just tell him to go from there. So from, from zero, from, from age zero to six, he was undiagnosed. Yes. And he would not have been diagnosed if we didn't initiate that part. Like I said, his school had basically just said, well, this is just, you know, he's another African-American kid. It's first grade. It's the typical first grade behavior with African-American kids. We'll just throw him in the system and then he'll be all right. And that's probably why minority children are diagnosed later because mm -hmm. of instances like that. It's the misconception attached. Yes, yes. Because I even do his agree. doctor, even though she continually saw speech issues, she never would say, you know, it was just like, a, I don't want to say this, but here, go get him speech, go do this, go do that. I will say when he started school, because he had started speech sooner, I think pre-K, when he did start kindergarten, he was more advanced than most kindergarten students because he had become accustomed to a school setting. So at some point when he was in daycare, we were getting him speech therapy, not the autistic diagnosis, but we were getting him speech therapy, which made him have to leave his daycare at around noon and go into the school setting. So he went to an elementary school and got his speech and all of that. So when he entered kindergarten, he was more advanced than most kindergarten students because he was used to the school setting. It was the first grade where he got, a, you know, where we started seeing the change. According to a 2016 census taken, one in 54 children were diagnosed with autism, with those that are the minority groups being diagnosed later. Tanisha Williams being a parent of autistic child, can you explain to the listeners what autism is exactly? It's something similar to, um, I don't want to say a neurological disorder, but what it does is, it's, first of all, it's a spectrum. So it can range from very mild to severe. It affects communication. It affects their sensitivity to sound. It affects their social skills. Social skills is really one of the kind of first signs that I noticed with my son. I'm just going to speak from my experience. For him, it's more of the speech and the social aspect 
and the cognitive um, as far as registering information when he receives it. So if he, he's 12 right now, when I measure him with different counterparts or his family members or friends that are his age, he's always about maybe between that one or two years developmentally behind them. So I can always just gauge and measure him based off that. So it really affects a lot of the cognitive portion of a child's brain. What signs should people who aren't aware look for? For those that don't know, what should they pay attention to? So between the ages of one and two, he was developing just like any other child. Speech, everything was going fine. Around three, it's, he started digressing. Mm-hmm. Or not necessarily digressing, but he just didn't keep up. Retention. And that's when the doctor took, yeah, the doctor took note. I will admit we were in denial for a while. But the speech has slowed down a lot. Um, he could not take sound like movies, loud music. But mo- most importantly, it was the speech. That kind of was the red flag for us as far as thinking, oh, something may be wrong. And then we just watched him between the ages of three and six. Okay, because I know that there's a lot of signs that they say paying attention to, but certain signs may be mistaken for autism and some are just regular. Like, for instance, I know that one of the signs for autism is being a picky eater. How do you, yeah, how do you, how do you take that from being autistic to being something else? Because how do you pick picky eaters from, being autistic, you know, like when a child's a toddler, you're just thinking they just like what they like. I mean, I have two. When he was born, I he he had a 12 year old sister and his brother was 10. So I'm just thinking that's just normal picky eating. That's why I said we didn't really we saw the signs. We had started reading about autism a little bit just from being in school and studying therapy and counseling. But he's still a picky eater. I mean, milk. If I want to just give something specific, he drank milk forever, like out of a bottle. So I think that was the point where I was like, okay, now you're not supposed to be attached to this bottle for a while. But I will say to me, I think I noticed the more pickiness of his eating as he gets older versus then. For me, for us, like I said, it was just a lot of the speech and the development. He was not developing like my older children had developed. So I was in a phase between like, is it just because he's the baby or is there really something wrong? You mentioned, also mentioned spectrum, autism spectrum. Can you explain to the listeners who don't know what an autism, like, what does that look like? No one person that has autism is the same. A lot of people like to compare where your child's like this and my child is like that. They can't both have autism. Um, You'll see a lot of kids that have behavior issues, severe speech impairments, behavior issues. Many of the kids who are higher on the spectrum or lower on the, they say low, lower on the spectrum have those severe. So if you're in the grocery store, I've learned, let me just give an example. I've learned that in the grocery store, if a kid is acting out, screaming, crying, going crazy, not to just assume that that child is bad. If they can't speak or communicate or verbalize what they need, then they're going to act out. So that's the kids that are on the lower end of the spectrum. The kids that are on the higher end of the spectrum, the ones that appear normal Mm. or what we think is an average kid. So they can go to school. They can learn. They can talk a little bit. They can do a lot more. They don't have the, like, I don't have any, Joshua didn't have any behavior issues in particular that alarmed me. Or like I said, it was all speech, 
lots of repetition and the digression of him being able to seeming like he was developing as a normal kid would and then slowing down. You've also reminded me I still need to reach out to my uh, childhood speech therapist to let her know what I do for a living now, which is talk. Right. Finally tracked her down because my dad doesn't throw anything away and found an old phone number that I internet searched to find her current cell phone number or at least home number. So yes. I'll get back on that. Please do that. Yes, that brings me to a good point. I Another good point. Joshua also slept in the bed with me till he don't judge me, but he was about eight. Okay. There's but when no he was sleeping, <laughs> every night I would tell him, I haven't done it as much, but when he was like between the ages of six and 10, every time he was asleep, I would whisper in his ear, Josh, you're going to be a great speaker one day. Josh, you're going to be a great speaker one day. Josh, you're going to be a great speaker one day. So Jesse, I like that you said you were going to reach back out to your your speech teacher and let them know, because that is something that I've done with him. Miss Pat. Just to kind of build him up in his sleep. Yeah. So, you know, oh, things yeah. process yeah. when you you're know, sleeping. You know, it's so. funny because currently my son is two and he's in speech therapy. And when I asked, I noticed the signs, like I said, I was, and I know they say you shouldn't compare your children, but when he's around mm-hmm. other children. But you're still doing a little bit. Right. He, he, when he was around other children, they were more vocal than he was. So that was my first indicator that something might be off. So when mm-hmm. I took it to his doctor, she ruled out autism, but she did say he was developmentally dis- delayed and that I would need to enroll him into speech therapy. And my thing mm-hmm. is, how can you, what's the difference between being developmentally delayed into where it turns into autism? Because I know she was saying there's a lot. Right, because autism is. Yeah, she's like, there's a line between the two. And I'm confused on what that line is. So I don't know if the doctors are confused or if it's a thing where they don't want to misdiagnose because I was told the same thing, that he was just a development. But she always said, watch. She always said, continue, mm-hmm. let's just continue to monitor his progress, monitor, monitor, monitor. But that's where kind of where we started too, with them just saying that he was, you know, had speech delay. Right. Like I said, it wasn't until that school around first grade, the learning begins to shift for the kids. And that was the sign for us when we started noticing things that he may have needed assistance, you know, more assistance, you know, we realized, okay, this is bigger than speech. Like there's something else going on here. So, and he was, you're right. He was not speaking as much as his peers and the noise, the loud noises when he would like, he just couldn't stand loud. We kept headphones around the house. I love loud noises. Uh, I was using, I was using the one making the loud noise. So, which is different. So, <laughs> you- Aside from eating and speech, they also say environment plays a role in child development. Do you agree with that? And if so, how big of a mm-hmm. role does environment play? I've always want, you know, I always think about that with the gap between the groups of children. For me personally, I don't know. Uh, that's a question that I can't really speak to personally, but it's always been one of those questions like, hmm, I wonder if I... Now, I will say I'm always like, well, maybe if I would have had another kid, because my other two children are like Mm -hmm. twins, basically. If I had another one, I always think, would that have helped build his speech because there was such a big gap? So I I don't know about I've heard that environment does play a role. And it's something that I continue to question to this day in my head. I'm literally like, maybe I should have just had another kid and that kid would have helped him with this, you know, but that's just 
a parent thing. I think that's something that we just that's do parents. naturally. That's true. Okay, so that leads me to, do you believe that autism is something that can be prevented or a developmental delays are preventable? I don't, I don't, as far, as far as autism, I don't know if that's anything that we can control. Like aren't, aren't, aren't parents and expect, uh, expecting parents under enough pressure where we're like, well, if you do something mm -hmm. wrong, this is going to happen. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so let's cut them a break. Uh, what I am appreciative of nowadays is that the, with science and medical, the medical uh, advancement of medical, the medical field is that we do have something to measure our kids with. You know, back in the day, they would just put them on Ritalin or whatever. And then here's just this one thing, you know, now we have different things to look at with children and why they develop the way they develop and ways to be able to treat it or help them cope with it. Josh is not at the age yet where he understands that he's autistic. We're just now starting to put that into his mind state that he's different, and that's just because of him going, just now starting middle school. According to this report, nearly two-thirds of children with autism between the ages of 6 and 15 have been bullied. What do you say to your child when they start to feel different from other kids, or they get picked on for those differences? Well, now that he's virtual, 2020 kind of shifted right. that. Um, he hasn't really had any experiences. His dad does talk to him a lot it's about dad son things to what you would do to defend yourself if something happens the only incident that i can recall or josh was at school specifically and was bullied is during the first grade when he was diagnosed and that was another issue that we had with the teacher at the time and how they were handling him he was on a swing and a set of kids had circled him and they were like shaking the swing, shaking the swing, pushing the swing, trying to get him off. And the teacher said he just completely lost it. But we haven't really had those experiences just yet with him personally. But we do have things that we talk to him about that if this happens or this is why this happens, then these are some things that you can do to get yourself out of the situation. I think that that's important. And bullying is not, it doesn't even have to be autistic children. Bullying is just a problem everywhere, yeah, just bullying. period. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say he went to the, his siblings took him to the bounce house the other day. There were a group of older kids there. Josh was just jumping, doing his thing. There were a group of older kids who were bullying, but because he doesn't process like them, He's just jumping around. He doesn't even know that, hey, these kids may, you know, if you keep jumping in front of them, they may try and harm you. So it's difficult in the sense that when a kid's bullying them, they may not even know that they're getting wow. bullied. So that's another issue where I have to, we have to explain to him that this tone, this behavior, always pay attention to what people are saying around you. Look and see, you know how people are reacting to you. So that's one of my scary things with him is that he will not understand when someone is bullying him and may get bullied more because they're like, dude, what's wrong? Do, you know what I'm saying? Do, do you hear? Right. So that's my biggest fear as far as bullying is concerned is just trying to get him to cognitively understand this person isn't your mm. friend. This person is, could possibly harm you. This person doesn't mean you well at this moment. If they have this tone or if they're saying A, B, or C, or D, you need to try to process differently. That, that See, that's a word because I wouldn't have. And there's a lot of people who don't know, who didn't need to hear that. Because I remember being in school 
and seeing something like that happen in school and the person that was being bullied, they weren't understanding it. They still believed. Mm -hmm. And that's another problem. And that taunts them further. So I think that's something that parents of children with developmental disorders are just, they need to make sure that those their children understand that. But then my question also is, okay, so if he gets to the point where he does understand, what do you tell him to do next? I'm an educator too. So, you know, I work in a middle school setting. So some of the things right. I tell him will just... Because, you know, these school policies, they don't put nothing in place for bullies. So... They don't. Yeah, they really don't. It's a parent thing. If the parents... Raise enough fuss, it'll get handled as far as school is concerned. Right. I just have to sometimes pray until I get to those situations. Some things we can't prevent. Some things are life lessons he has to learn. He's going to have to go through it. I can't always be Captain Save a Mom. Mm -hmm. Dad and sister and brothers can't always be there to protect. So some things we can't prevent or teach until he gets to that moment. What are some uh, misconceptions people have about autism? That they're not smart. That's one of the biggest. That they're just not smart. That they're different. That they're weird. Is what, you know, is, is what I get. That's, a, that's another thing I have to always speak with him about is, like I said, reinforcing. He's extremely self-conscious. He hates to make mistakes. He hates to, if he feels like we've literally had to teach him to say, let's just say I'm drinking this coffee right here and he accidentally knocks it over. He will over apologize. So we've had to teach him to when a, an apology is necessary or when you just may need to say something like, oh, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. Very sensitive. So I have to always, we have to always constantly build his confidence, even when he's speaking sometimes. He's looking like, am I supposed, did I say that right? You know, he just doesn't have, it's just the confidence that we have to continually build in him because he is extremely sensitive. <laughs> what advice do you have for parents who don't feel as if their doctor or their pediatrician physician isn't responsive to their concern? Second and third opinions. Yeah, okay. You just get different opinions. Mm -hmm. And like, it's okay for parents to feel like that is necessary. They they may mm -hmm. trust their doctor. Mm -hmm. They may not want to hurt that doctor's feelings, but it's okay to get mm -hmm. a second and third opinion, especially when it comes to your children. Yes, you have to, especially, yeah, you have to do what's best for you and your child. You can't, we can't be too committed to, you know, a medical professional if we don't feel like they're treating the child properly. You know what I'm saying? You no, know, you hear, like we mentioned, you hear the word, just monitor, just watch, just watch. And sometimes as a parent, I feel, well, how long do I have to monitor and watch before it gets to the line where I should have did something earlier? Like, you have those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that I think at the age, I didn't really have that because I think the age that we called it was really, a good, you know, a good stage. First grade is one of the grades where African-American children, they look at their testing, they look at their behaviors, and they basically can set their life trajectory based on what they're doing in the first grade. That's they want they tried to fail him in first grade. That's the grade where they want to fail African American boys. If you hear a lot of stories, first grade is that grade. So I don't really have the regret of I could have done something sooner, but I do know I had to fight for my child. I knew that I was would not allow them to let him 
be in first grade again. That just right. wasn't, you know, happening. We already had issues in first grade. You already didn't teach accordingly or how we expected you to teach. You didn't treat. You didn't want to diagnose my son. So what we're not going to do is hold him back in first grade. We will do whatever we can to make sure he's caught up. And his guardian angel teacher did just that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you, you, And he's still excellent in math to this day because she was, she wasn't his language arts or reading teacher. She was math. And of course, she helped with a lot of other things. But he's great at math right now. Like he excels in math. Everywhere he goes in math, they're like, okay, he has a math down pat to this day because of that teacher. So one of the questions that I want to ask regarding parents who are in denial, the first thing that they would ask is, is this something that ever goes away? Is it treatable? Will it disappear? That's like asking if someone that's bipolar or has PTSD, if that disappears, you tr- you just, you learn how to live with it. You learn how to cope. You learn how to manage it. You, yes, you can improve. You can have improvements, but I wouldn't say go away necessarily. I was, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question, which is, we asked about the common misconceptions, but what are, if there are parents out there who have young kids who maybe aren't diagnosed yet or just diagnosed, what is something something you can tell them that they can look, not, not look forward to, but what is a positive of this, right? That it's not, mm-hmm. they're not all negative aspects to this. There are positive aspects oh, to no. this. So uh-uh. what are some of the positive aspects? I just tell them to embrace the uniqueness of the child. Now, I love my two older kids, but the love for this one, I don't know if it's the baby (laughs) and the autism couple together, but we embrace all of his uniqueness. He has brought an entirely different dynamic and has been a blessing to this family. I just, the best thing I can say is just embrace it. It's not bad. They're going to be okay. Sure. I, I mean, you know, that. now the ones that have the kids on the lower end of the spectrum, I can't really speak to that. I don't know what I would do in that situation, but you still have to embrace them too. So embrace it, enjoy it, find a way to fall in love with it. And then the kid will flourish from there. They're going to flourish if the it's, it's about the parenting. What are you putting into your child? What are you investing into your child? As he gets older, we're learning to find ways to spend more time with him versus just letting him be on the video game all day, every day, because he doesn't want to talk. If he's on the video game all day, every day, how is he going to learn to communicate back and forth with people? Absolutely. I'm glad you said getting him off the video games because I was going to ask, what is something parents can do to assist? I will admit I'm I'm more of the parent the mama that's like, oh, Papa, let baby do what he needs to do. Dad is the one that's on the schedule. Hey, nope, you've been on this for this amount of time. It's time to sit down. We're eating dinner. Come to the table. We'll have this conversation. So I, I can't attest to me being just the best scheduler in the house. But his dad does make sure that he, ha- he just, you know, he has to stop doing things. It's, you, we do it with our other kids. I did it with my older kids. What's the difference? You know what I'm saying? With this kid. It's the same. I had to tell them bedtimes, time to eat, time to stop watching TV. So it gets treated the same in that sense now that he's older. You just have to keep them on the schedule. They're very robotic. They will sit and do the same thing over and over and over and over again if you allow them to. So that's why I said the parent has to embrace the child. The parent has to be the one to monitor. The parent has to be the one that gives the rules and let them know this is how we're going to do A, B, C, or D. 
If not, then the kid will get lost in just stuck in their mode that they're in, whether that's lack of speech, lack of talking, lack of writing, lack of reading, all of that. You answered everything that I had. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I was, I was just thinking about where we go from here, but I feel like we covered a lot and a we covered everything. Of time, so. Yeah. She, she summed it up. But some things that she answered without me even having to. Well, that's right. That's what that's what a good a good guest does. So, <laughs> so well done. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Young Parents Podcast. You can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcasts. Please make sure to follow James Inc. on Facebook and check them out at their website. And please, if you can, give them some money. They do great work. Thank you all again. We'll see you next month.